This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, the fantasy edition. It's the live stream. It's you guys, and it's me, Matt Larkin, senior writer here, brought to you by our sponsor, Christian Hockey. We're going to do a live fantasy Q&A, but before we get to that, I want to give you a few little recommendations, okay? I'm going to give you three different ones. One is for shallow leagues, one for medium-sized leagues, and one for deep leagues, because every every suggestion I get, it's always about context. It depends on the league size, so I want to give you a pickup depending on what type of league you're in, okay? So we'll Start with the shallow league pickup, and that's Nick Schmaltz of the Arizona Coyotes. If you look at his time since he came over in the Chicago trade, 23 points now in 25 games. And what I'm most excited about is that it's not like Nick Schmaltz is playing with Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller. He's playing with Connor Garland, Christian Dvorak, and he's still scoring it better than a point-per-game pace, which to me is extremely exciting because it means it could get him promoted eventually to a top-line assignment. He's already producing when he's in a secondary assignment, so he makes for a great pickup. I think this could be a 60-point player for years to come so that's a guy to grab medium-sized league okay this could be a temporary ad but neil pionk and to me it, it it was sort of a natural progression because tyler myers is gone obviously dustin bufflin is gone from the team on the right side jacob truba somebody had to take those minutes and maybe in real life neil pionk is going to have a hard time living up to that jacob truba trade sure but from a fantasy perspective he showed some flashes as a new york ranger he was a good pickup for part of last year he's got a big shot and he's just got a big opportunity if you look at his ice time he's playing 23 24 25 minutes a night in winnipeg they just need him and as long as dustin bufflin is not with the team then pionk is going to be viable in fantasy even shallower leagues, but I put him in the medium league category because I think when Bufflin comes back, it will definitely hurt Pionk's value. Uh, If we go deep, let's go Logan Brown of the Ottawa Senators, 21 years old, former first round pick, and Ottawa's got, you know, an injury problem, and they're already one of the least talented teams in the league in terms of just the overall roster depth. That's okay. It's a rebuild. So when you get called up as a prospect, you have the opportunity as Logan Brown did, to jump right onto line one, which he did with with his old buddy, his old childhood teammate, Brady Kachuk. So you have Logan Brown, who's a very good puck distributor, very tall guy, rangy. You know, I don't want to throw out big-time comparisons, but the ceiling, if everything broke right and Logan Brown became a star, he could be a Joe Thornton type of player because he's just got a natural passing ability, big, big guy, uh, power play acumen, and that's something to watch for in fantasy. Uh, Logan Brown, I think he's going to start off at least as a second-unit guy, but maybe he'll end up on the first unit He's got a great opportunity in Ottawa. Colin White is hurt. And Colin White, great player and and I think going to have a good career, but his ceiling is not really natural offensive first-line center. Whereas Logan Brown, if things work out and he pans out, he does have the potential to become one. So very good stash in the keeper league especially. But short-term, just give him a shot. If you're in a big league with big rosters, give him a week or two, see if he puts up points. So now let's take some questions, okay? Uh, Feel free to fire them along. They're live right now, but we're going to start with this one from Kay's Worbs. His his name is probably like Kevin's Worbs or something. So Kay's Worbs says, okay, Carter Hutton, is he the real deal or is it just because we're only a few weeks into the season? That said, should I snag Carter Hutton and drop Carter Hart? The Battle of the Carters. Uh, I think the answer is a bit of both. So Carter Hutton, he's shown flashes in the past. Late bloomer, of course, had the really big year a couple years back with the Blues. Uh, And right now he's playing some amazing hockey. Is he the real deal? Well, last year we saw the downside of Carter Hutton and, and Carter Hutton is 
as being mostly a career backup, and that's the risk of relying on him as your starter. But what is different and makes me a little bit intrigued with Carter Hutton is the fact Buffalo's defense is different this year. New coach Ralph Kruger, but also they've really retooled that blue line, brought in so many bodies. And I think we have to look at the Sabres a lot differently, and that means a different set of guys protecting Carter Hutton uh, in front of him, right? So I don't think he's going to face the same quality of chances throughout the year, which gives him a better chance to sustain those numbers. So I'm willing to buy in. I personally, I turned down a trade uh, where I was offered Carter Hutton a few weeks ago, but now I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if I should have taken that. I think there's some potential there, but we'll see. Uh, Steven's got a little comment. So I recently wrote an article for the website, uh, thehockeynews.com, about Carter Hutton, and his stats right now are like obviously the goals saved above average is elite numbers right now Mm -hmm. but these are numbers that he's never been able to achieve in his career before and that kind of is the questionable part about him is is this really a flash in the pan I think when you look at the fact that Buffalo next month will have to play against Tampa Bay three times Boston Toronto a couple Mm -hmm. times it's gonna be a little scary but Carter Hutt right now Definitely good, I think, in in a short burst, but I don't know how reliable that's going to be in a long term. Yeah, that's a good point, and that kind of brings me to the next part of the question, which is Carter Hart. Carter Hutton, I think, is a, a sell high, especially if you could get if you could get Carter Hart straight up for Carter Hutton. I think you have to do it. I think I'm betting on talent. I'm betting on you know Carter Hart is already almost he's almost reached the same level of talent as Carter Hutton, and Carter Hart's just started. That kind of gives you an idea of what Carter Hart can be. Of course, if it's a keeper league, you know it's a slam dunk. But even in in a, a redraft league I think that Carter Hart is going to have his day I think he's going to be a breakout guy this year and I I would still bet on him long term over Carter Hutton because like Steven said the top half of the Atlantic division has just not just good teams but but teams that are the bread and butter is offense in particular which is scary for a goalie so I, I think it's worth at least exploring the trade market if you're a Carter Hutton owner next question is from Alexander Corbell what do you think about Kirby Doc? In a keeper league, will he be a 50 points guy or a 70 to or 80 points guy? Tough question. It's very early in, in Doc's career. Um, just based on, you know, we do a lot of research leading up to the draft. We do our draft previews. We, we studied Kirby a lot, especially our prospect expert, Ryan Kennedy. And to me, Doc, it seems like people really singled him out for his intelligence and his natural ability to distribute the puck. And to me, he profiles as someone who's going to be a, a point producer in the NHL level. Nothing's guaranteed. But I like his game and I like his ability to just make others around him better. So I'm not saying that he's going to be a 100-point guy. But if you're saying 50 versus 70 to 80, I could see him being in the 70 to 80 range. And if I had to make a bet right now, I mean, he's he's still a kid and he's already getting looks in the NHL, already has a goal. So I, I'm a fan of Kirby Duck. And he is coming off a concussion too, which I think is worth keeping an eye on. There. Yeah, that's and you never know for it's same thing. You know, people have said this about Aaron Ekblad as well. When you get a lot of concussions stacked on you early, it's a little bit scary because you never know how it's going to affect your long-term career trajectory. But there are also success stories where, you know, Sidney Crosby was in a bad spot, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, and he finally kind of got healthy. And then if you can get healthy for an ex- extended stretch, then the, the concussions kind of fade in the rearview mirror. So you hope that happens with Kirby Doc. Uh, next question is... Uh, let's see here. It is uh, Marvelous Mart. Marvelous Mart. This is a repeat a repeat arrival. I remember Marvelous Mart. I think he asked a question last week. Uh, and he says, Hi, Matt. I have four young goaltenders in a keeper league uh, protected until 25 years old. Which of these 
would you trade and which would you keep no matter what league is set up as follows win two points uh, overtime loss one point shut out three extra points Samsonov Jake Jake Utinger uh, Ukapeka Lukanen and Spencer Knight okay so it's funny I look at this and I immediately have my answers I guess that's a good sign for you Mark uh, I'm, I'm keeping Ilya Samsonov absolutely he's one of the most hyped and respected goalie prospects of the last five to ten years and he's already getting his chances and I think it's not a coincidence you know Braden Holtby I think Washington I said this on the on the main podcast before. I think it's a good thing for Washington. They want uh, they want Samsonov to push Holtby, and they want to get a good look at Samsonov this year because I, I don't know for sure if they're going to re-sign Braden Holtby. Cap-wise, it'll be tough because Nicholas Backstrom is up as well. So I think it's absolutely possible, if not probable, that Ilya Samsonov is the capital starter as early as next season, and that's a very fantasy-friendly situation for a goalie who's extremely talented, extremely high ceiling. Samsonov is a goalie you want to build around. Uh, the other guy, I mean, the guy with the most hype of that of that group is of course Spencer Knight uh, he's the highest drafted goalie in the first round since I believe Jack Campbell uh, and Knight is extremely talented but the problem is I wouldn't I wouldn't put Knight at the top of the list and I would consider trading him big hype around his name but also Sergei Bobrovsky just signed a seven-year deal so you know that Knight is going to be blocked for a long time and it might take a trade before Knight can get a, a, a long-term look as an NHL starter so I just don't like his situation for fantasy uh, Uka Pekka Lukanen uh, our future watch edition where we have a panel of scouts NHL scouts and executives they rate goalies uh, that are drafted but not yet in the NHL and last year Lukanen Buffalo's goaltending prospect was rated number one I know he's been he's been hurt right now he's battling injury problems but I really like his long-term potential especially because Carter Hutton is not signed long-term. So the door is going to be open in a year or two for Lukanen to take over. So uh, I would trade. Uh, and same with Jake Utinger in, in Dallas. Uh, ben Bishop's still under contract seven more years. So I don't know how soon the opportunity is going to be there for him. Uh, so the two guys that I would hold on to are Samsonov and Lukanen. Uh, next question is from Jason K. Ripley. Has to throw in the K just to make him special, okay? I think we know a Jason K. Do we? Oh, yeah, we know Jason K. K-A-Y is his last name, our boss. And Jason says, I'm in a 32-team league with 20 players per team plus five reserves and three rookie spots. Should I consider taking a run at Noah Dobson and hope he makes the team soon? Or is there a chance that the Islanders could get a D in a deal for Hosang? It's a tough question because Noah Dobson is in a frustrating position where he's made the team, but he's not getting those regular minutes. He's getting sent back to the press box, and it's it's a frustrating deployment. You've seen that with a few guys before in the NHL where they just are not being regularly used. You're not getting out the big time minutes at a lower level, but you're also not getting the extended look uh, at the NHL level. Uh, I think that this is not going to be the year for Noah Dobson. I really like his potential long term. He's big. He's very well rounded. He's a really good skater. But I think Noah Dobson is a prime candidate to be a world junior and a major part of the team this year, especially because he's not getting that regular ice time. I suspect he'll end up, uh, you know, when November, December arrives, joining Team Canada for that tournament. And I don't think this is going to be his year of an extended look as an NHLer. So I don't think he's someone I'd bet on hard in fantasy. And I agree. Josh Hosang, to me, it's only a matter of time before he's traded. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be for a defenseman because the Isles, they have a bit of a logjam already. Um, but either way, I, I think Dobson... I'm a big fan of its keeper league, uh, but I just don't think it's going to be. You're not going to see an impact from him for at least another year. I think, from a fantasy perspective, uh, kind of a, uh, a spoiler alert. I wrote an article for thehockeynews.com today about Josh saying his trade uh, options. One of the teams there was Carolina, specifically targeting AD, but I won't say why. Mm-hmm. I like that fit because Carolina, we said in the office, Carolina has quite a logjam on D and maybe you trade a prospect like a Jake Bean, someone like that, I think could be a logical fit for a Josh Hosang. Uh, next question is from June Durst. 
Is there any chance Jonathan Quick rebounds? He's played well the past few games, and LA has been out shooting its opponents. It's really tough. So Jonathan Quick, I've been so hard on Jonathan Quick in fantasy leagues over the past several seasons, and I don't want it to get misconstrued. I think he's had a phenomenal career. He's one of the greatest playoff goalies of all time, one of the most athletic goalies who ever lived, in my opinion. But he's always been a better real-life goalie than fantasy goalie. He's clutch. But in fantasy, the numbers have always been pretty pedestrian. The save percentages are low. And that was when Quick was at his best. Problem is now he's into his 30s and he's a goalie who I always worried would not age well. He's, I said this before on the podcast, he's like the opposite of an Ed Belfort type where positioning is everything. Quick's game is his speed, his explosiveness, explosiveness his athleticism. He's not a very big goalie. So I don't think he's going to age gracefully. Uh, and I know he's heated up a little bit, but I still think LA is not going to be a good team this year for one. And I just think if you're an owner of Jonathan Quick, you may as well see what you can get for him because he may have some name brand recognition still. So it might be worth doing so because I just don't think the age, the injury history, the team situation, none of it. Like I'll put it this way. I'm in an extremely deep league, my main fantasy league. I think there's almost 300 players drafted. Jonathan Quick was not even drafted in this league because no one has confidence in him as a fantasy asset. So he's someone that I would kind of shy away from, unfortunately, even though he's had a great career. Next question. Here we go. Steven's feeding them through. Ooh, okay. Who just, this is, is going to be a controversial one, and I feel like I feel like this has been brought up uh, already in Edmonton media as a reaction to the McDavid Matthews articles. People are saying, "Who do you think is better, more valuable, Matthews or Drysaddle?" Oh my God, I feel oh, like I feel bad for you right now. I know I'm going to alienate somebody by answering this. Okay, I'll put it this way: in a fantasy league, I well, I found the perfect perfect cop out answer. Okay, fantasy league, it's Leon Drysaddle. Situation is great. He's still most of the time playing on Connor McDavid's left wing. We saw a 50 goal score, 100 point guy. Uh, I think, you know, he should have been in most drafts a top five pick if it was a redraft league. Great situation. Lovely on Dreisaitl. Plays so many minutes. Way more minutes. I think certain nights he plays like six minutes more per game than Austin Matthews. So for that alone, I think Dreisaitl is the more valuable asset. In terms of overall talent, uh, if you break down the production on a per-minute basis since Austin Matthews' career started, the only guy that's strive for strive with them, especially in goals, but all even strength production, it's Matthews and McDavid are really close together. So Matthews' enemy is just his deployment under coach Mike Babcock but the actual production when he's on the ice which is not very often it's like 18 minutes a night it's it's elite uh, especially from from the goal scoring standpoint so I still think if, if if I was the coach if I was the coach in GM so I could have unlimited minutes I could deploy Matthews how I wanted to then I think I would pick him over Dreisaitl and Matthews would end up putting up better numbers in Dreisaitl if they played the same amount of minutes uh, okay this one is from hockey news super fan Anthony, Anthony Louie you're the man Anthony Pick two for the rest of the year. James Van Riemsdyk, Jacob Rana, Brian Little, Connor Brown, and Kyle Turris. Okay, I, I think the first two names that you threw out there are the ones that I would take. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, you know, he's he's obviously hit his ceiling. He's starting the decline phase of his career, but he's still a guy who's going to play as a top six forward in Philly most nights. He's usually going to have strong line mates. He's going to be using the power play, net front guy. He's got good touch around the net. I still think over the course of a full season, he's going to be a threat for 25, 30 goals for at least this season, maybe a couple more seasons. That's a pretty easy choice to me. Take JVR. And then I want some upside from this group, okay? So Jacob Vrana, uh, last year he crossed the 20-goal threshold. First-round pick, kind of a late bloomer. It looked like he was going to be one of those guys. It was Vrana and Burakovsky almost like battling to see which guy was going to emerge first in Washington. And eventually Vrana, I guess, won that battle. Uh, he's fast. He's got slick skills. And he's still not that old. I believe he was 2014 draft class, if my memory serves me right. Uh, and I still think there's a lot of potential for him. And he's another guy who, again, 
the Capitals are going to regularly deploy him in the top six, and I think there's still room for him to get better. So I like that upside. I think of Rana, he could you know he could break out and be a 30 goal guy as soon as this year. So I like him. And then the rest of the group, Brian Little is just to me he's the classic boring veteran play. He's you know he's as good as he's ever going to be. You're not going to get more than 45, 50 points out of him, and that's not the kind of guy that I get excited about in fantasy because that kind of guy is always going to be on the wire. I'd, I'd much rather search for upside. Uh, same goes for Kyle Turris. I think Turris and Little are very similar in that way. And Connor Brown, thing about Connor Brown is he hasn't proven to be a super high ceiling player. So Connor Brown could break out. Uh, with more opportunity in Ottawa, and a breakout for Connor Brown might be 20 goals, 45 points. Good season in real life, but it doesn't make him super exciting in fantasy. That's what Jacob Vrana did already last year, and Vrana's still on the rise. So it's Vrana and JVR. Those are my picks. Uh, next question is from Chris Logan. Are you still optimistic about Capocaco? I have him and Jack. Oh, you're lucky, Chris Logan. He's been real quiet. Do I hold? Absolutely, you hold. It's way, 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 way too early for both guys. Um, but I'll talk about, we talked about Jack Hughes, I think, on our last podcast. So I'll focus here on Capocaco. Uh, he's someone who, I wrote a big story in him leading up to our draft preview. So I actually like talked to, to Capo through an interpreter. I talked to his old coaches. I got to know Capo uh, a little bit. And uh, he's so beloved by his coaches and so respected. And his coaches back in Finland, the way they described it to me was he was the best player they've ever seen, the best forward they've ever seen at that age, period, in the Finnish league. So better than Sasha Barkov, better than Michael Granlin, guys like that. Very, very high praise. Uh, and he's already built like a man. He's got a man's build, so he's got this NHL strength already. He's extremely smart. He can kind of rag the puck. He's really good at the puck, good at protecting the puck. He does so many things well that he was a guy, even though I, I thought, you know, I ranked Jack Hughes higher in fantasy, thinking that Hughes had a better fantasy opportunity because he's a center and more guaranteed to have good line mates. But I think Capocaco is a guy who is more built to be an NHL-ready player. So the, the only problem is in a fantasy league right now is just the Rangers, you really have to be on that top line because it's such a downgrade between Mika's advantage at to line two, which is, you know, whether it's going to be Ryan Strom as the center or Brett Howden or if Lee Anderson gets his chance or Brendan Smith, I think, was playing some center last time I checked. Um, so the reason why Kapokako is not exploding yet is he's not he hasn't been elevated to get those regular opportunities on the big line with Sabanej Ad and Artemi Panarin but I do think it's only a matter of time before that does happen because if in doubt bet on talent don't obsess over line combinations I've always said that pick the best players if, if two guys are close so in this case it was like you know Kapo Kako and Pavel, Pavel Bugnevich who Bugnevich won the job but I would have said still draft Kapo Kako the talent will rise so he'll get his chance he's extremely talented he's so young and it, so maybe he doesn't pan out as a monster rookie but he's still going to be great and I still think he's going to get first line opportunity at some point if it's a dynasty league you absolutely have to hold so I, I'm still a fan of Kapo Kako next question comes from Mm-mm. Okay, this is from uh, Yohal or Johal underscore twenty one. Is it time to drop Shane? Go- I always call him Ghost Bear. I just Gustus be here, but Ghost Bear just flows <coughs> off the tongue a lot easier. Uh, one point nine games so far. Tough question. I've seen him dropped in my main league as well, and I was wondering if I should pick him up. It depends on your league size, of course. If you're in a big, deep league, you got to pick him up. Um, 
shallow league, it's a tough one. And this is something that I worried about. Uh, his game, I think Ghost Bear's game is, you know, a lot of people would characterize it as fairly one-dimensional. And he's got a coach in Alain Vigneault who I think, if you look at Vigneault's history, a lot of his teams have been very strong defensively. And I wondered, is Ghost Bear going to be an Alain Vigneault type of player? I don't know. So I don't know if, he, if he's getting out of the doghouse or, you know, if he's even in the doghouse yet. But it could happen. Uh, and the Flyers have a lot of mobile defensemen, whether it's Ivan Provorov or Travis Sand that are kind of competition uh, for important power play time with, with Shane Gossespierre. Um, so if you're in a shallow league, I think you can consider cutting bait. If you're in a deeper league, the talent is still too high. He's still such a good puck-moving defenseman, and I think I think the Flyers are underachieving. I was looking at just the possession numbers of the Flyers, and I believe they're actually number one in the NHL at 5-on-5 five five right now. But as a team, they're just not breaking out yet. It, it applies to Claude Giroux as well, right? So I think it's early to quit on them. And uh, maybe when I'm done this stream, I'm going to go and log on to my league and, and pick up Ghost Bear, because I, I kind of talked myself into it right now. So I'm doing it. Look out, my league. I'm grabbing him, okay? Uh, speaking of defensemen, uh, one guy that... Th- this is a question I have for you. Uh, Ryan Ellis. We we know how good he's playing right now. He's got 12 points in nine games on pace for 109 points. Obviously, that's very achievable. Um, not really. Um, this is a guy that... He, he actually hasn't had a, a boost in ice time, even with P.K. Subban out of the lineup. Um, he's obviously not the best defenseman on his own pairing but I guess what do you see the ceiling for Ryan Ellis this season? I, I, it's funny Ryan Ellis is a guy who I've always thought was a very high ceiling player going back to his time as a junior when he was just such a virtuoso he was almost like he the hype for Ryan Ellis when he was first drafted reminded me of what people are saying now about Kale McCarr I really thought that Ellis was going to be like an elite offensive defenseman and I think the skills are still there but he's actually become quite a good two-way player so maybe you know because he's so responsible he, he's not hitting the offensive peak that he's capable of I still feel like he's a guy who, who could be or should be a 60-point defenseman, and I did wonder if this would be the year, especially just because uh, on the power play, I don't know if we've seen it bear out. I have to get a closer look at the numbers because we are live here, but uh, long-term, you have to think that on the right side of the top power play unit, there's going to be more looks for Ryan Ellis with P.K. Subban gone. I don't think that Dante Fabro, for example, would be the same threat to steal those minutes. So over the course of the season, I would bet that when the season's done, his power play one time would be much higher than when it was last year because you have Subban out there as well. Um, so I, I think if we're going to get the Ryan Ellis breakout, this is going to be the year. And I would not be remotely surprised if he goes 55-60, starts putting up points in the Roman Yossi range. So far, 12 points in nine games. So that theory seems to be true. It's early, but there's never been any doubting Ryan Ellis's talent. It's just a matter of his deployment uh, and just the fact that he has a lot to do on the ice. He's given a lot of responsibility because he's a really good all-around guy, especially in the modern game where you don't have to be big to be a good defender. Big fan of Ryan Ellis. And I think uh, overall, this could be the breakout season uh, we have time for a few more questions for sure and uh, there here's one from rick jackson rick says who gets more points this year nick schmaltz or clayton keller Ooh, that's a tough one because nick schmaltz is off to such a, a tough start um but again i'm going to go back to what i said about bet on talent both guys are first round draft picks they have good pedigree but keller is on another level in terms of his projected ceiling nick schmaltz is a guy that i think people predicted even going back to his draft day when he was picked by chicago okay this guy could be a first or second line center, a good offensive player in the NHL. Whereas Clayton Keller's ceiling was, this guy could be a scoring title winner, he could be Patrick Kane, he could score 90 points, and he flew out of the gate as a rookie, he looked like he was going to become that guy. That was only two years ago. There's a lot of time left for Clayton Keller to reach those heights. I believe he's still only 21 years old. So I'm betting talent over the course of the season for the rest of the year. If I'm, the best way I can explain is, is 
if I uh, have Nick Schmaltz in my league and you offer me Clayton Keller, I'm hitting accept pretty quickly, okay? Um, next question. Let's see. We have time for a few more. Uh, and this one, actually, this one's, this one's from Rick Jackson again, but I think we're running low on questions, so we're probably going to take this one. Do you see Sergeyev getting a bigger role in Tampa? Well, Rick, I'm glad you asked that question because it's something that I constantly wonder. We're working on a, an issue right now called Prospects Unlimited where we talk about uh, the top 100 players in the world, 20, 21 years old uh, and younger. And that's coming out in our next issue of the Hockey News, and I wrote something in it on Mikhail Sergeyev. And the thing about him is the... Trust is not being there yet from John Cooper. And I keep thinking, okay, this is the year that Sergeyev's going to get his chance, but the minutes are so sheltered, and I'm waiting for him to get that opportunity. I think he's someone who, you know, it's the chicken and egg. Does he have to earn it, or will he just play better if given more opportunity? And to me, I think you have to get him a, give him a chance to really cut his teeth and maybe see him play 20 minutes a game instead of, you know, I, I think he's playing 15, 16, 14, 13, you know, any given night. Uh, and... I think that just with his size and all-around ability, he is, still has a chance to become, I think, an elite defenseman in this league. I think his ceiling's still really high, and he's only 21 years old, which is, in defenseman years, it's almost like being 19, because defensemen take longer to mature, especially big guys. So I'm not quitting on him, but it's a matter of just, we have not seen the trust yet from John Cooper. So it might it may be another year before we see Sergeyev get that long look, especially because when you're on a team like Tampa, it's like there's a lot to lose because you're expected to be a major contender. You're going for presidents, trophies, and Stanley Cups. And it's not the type of environment where a coach wants to just like work you out and and give you lots of reps the way you know a team like Ottawa would be able to do with an Eric Branstrom, someone like that, right? Because every minute on a team like that is sort of a high-stakes minute. So I just don't know if we're gonna get we're gonna see Sergeyev get that opportunity this year. I, I suspect it's gonna be more of the same unless injuries, enough injuries strike that they have no choice but to play him more. Uh, next question is from Paul Zulak. Phil Kessel, time to cut the court. Four points in eight games for Arizona. A lot of, a lot of Coyotes questions. People are worried about the Coyotes. Uh, and I know it's been disappointing that they're not filling the net because they've on paper they got a lot better offensively. Uh, I would not cut the court on Phil Kessel by any means. Uh, Kessel has always been a streaky player. He's someone who... You know, he could go goalless for a few games and then he could put up five points in one night. And especially if your league counts shots, you're going to get a lot of shots from Phil Kessel. I still think it's not like Kessel's 36 years old. He's in his 30s, yes, but he's still got a lot of time left, I think, to be an effective player. He's a very good power play player, still has an electric wrist shot. Uh, so eight games, it's like four points in eight games. If he gets four points in an eight-game stretch in mid-February, nobody's going to notice. It's just it's a, it's a problem of small sample sizes early in the year where it looks like, oh my god, Phil Kessel's at, you know, 0.5 points per game. What am I going to do? But he, you know, he could easily in the next 10 games get 15 points. So again, if you're offering me Phil Kessel, depending on what the offer is, he's someone that I think is actually a good buy low target because the talent's there. Always bet on that talent. And I think Stephen is signaling that that's it for our round of questions for this week. Thanks so much for participating. I'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll do some more fantasy questions on the Hockey News Podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>